Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. You know, Amory, we're just going along on break from the show, playing the hits of the other shows, the straight hits, like 20,000 Hertz last week. Mm-hmm. And then a story comes along, and I just got to talk about it. Ooh. Love it, hate it, think it's suspicious. It is undeniably peak me. Okay. And it allows me to talk to my uh, dream guest. Nikki Fortielis, I run the International Jousting Association for the U.S., which is, which is a club for jousting from uh, the Boston area, so New England, okay. born and raised. <laughs> Have you ever jousted so, before, Ben? <laughs> oh, man. Dreams deferred, man. Oh, Dreams deferred. In your next life. You'll quit it or with past life. podcasting crap. Yeah, probably past life. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Amory, something that happens a lot in the summer and fall and involves jousting? Uh, Renaissance fairs. Correct. Ding, ding. But Nikki, she doesn't do the theatrical jousting stuff. She is competitive with mm. jousting. She is not a theatrical jouster. But she's been doing this kind of historical combat for a long time. And I actually started in stick fighting. You sign a waiver, everybody's an adult. You put helmets on and you get to bash each other in the head with you know, sticks and it's okay. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. And, and, you know, you don't go to jail. I have a desk job. So, so martial arts is a big, big stress reliever for me. Yeah. You got to get your wax in, right? Wow. She sounds like a true badass. <laughs> I'm, I'm this person like in my dreams, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you also dream of jousting. Clearly we're both dreaming about jousting. Yeah. I'm a jousting stick fighting martial artist. In my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki is a true expert. Like, she's a history nerd when it comes to jousting. Um, She's a horse person. And again, competitive, not theatrical jouster. She is the real deal. When it comes to jousting depictions in modern film, are you more of like a jabberwocky, the jabberwocky person, or are you a first night person, or what's your what's your favorite jousting depiction in a movie? You know what, Heath Ledger in uh, A Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale, yeah. It was fun because it it brought up the um, spirit of of jousting mm. community. You know, uh, you know they're kind of rock stars. Um, and they're there to entertain and they're, you know, so that, that, that musical theme, not the love story, <laughs> you know, and not the, the back and forth of the, the bad guy, but the whole uh, excitement of the joust. Emery, what is your favorite night or jousting modern film depiction? I have a guess, but what is yours? Do you have one? 
Gosh, the only one that I even remember right now is First Night. I am Arthur of Camelot. And I command you now all to fight! I thought that you were going to say those weird dog knights from the movie Labyrinth. They're pretty jousty. They're jousty, but they're they're minimal. There's so much else to love in that movie, Ben. I can't believe that you would even have registered. <laughs> I mean, but again, this is peak Ben. So like me, like you might have like oh, been into David Bowie, et cetera, You're et cetera. talking about Sir Didymus. Before this day, never have I met my match in battle. Yet this noble knight... Yes, fought me to a standstill. Are you alright? That was a good thought. I see where you I see where you were going with that. Yeah. But when I say joust to Amory, like what do you see in your mind's eye? Other than, of course, the, the movie Labyrinth. <laughs> what, what, like how would you define joust? Um, two people, hopefully in a heavy amount of armor, charging each other on horses and trying to uh, are they trying to, like, impale each other with their large, pointy, long things? Or are they just trying to knock each other off the other person's horse? The large, pointy, long thing is called the lance. <laughs> okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they're trying to t- knock each other off the horse. Um, but again, it sort of, it, it really depends. And again, for, for the deep kind of history of jousting or the idea of jousting, we should go back to Nikki. It was very diverse in medieval times. It actually started out with team on team, where you had maybe your men-at-arms, maybe you had a a duke that was sponsoring you because you were really good at jousting. And really, they would, um, you know, get on either side of the village or field and just have big melees, some melees lasting for days. And that's where you had the ransoms, too, because some of the uh, wealthier people had, you know, you, you get kidnapped. And ransomed, and they'd have to give up some booty. Um, William Marshall, kind of a famous during medieval times, he actually made a living off of of melees. <laughs> Whoa! I learned two things there. One, they used to have group on group, quote unquote, jousting, uh-huh. right, where they're like fighting each other. But also that like people literally made a living holding other people for ransom as part of the fight. Yeah. Like rich people would get involved for sport or whatever. And then like other knights would like hold them for ransom after they knocked them down and slapped them around or whatever. Melees for days. Melees. <laughs> Melees for days. But jousting was at least at the outset. Like, can you imagine the purpose for jousting, Amory? I thought it was just kind of entertainment, kind of like the old gladiator business. but. Uh, no. So, so I had a theory, which I put to Nikki and, and I was kind of right. It's basically a way to stay in fighting shape. Yeah. So it evolved. Right. Um, so it it was definitely a call to arms. It was definitely like training for war, like the team on team type of jousting that I mentioned. I eventually the church outlawed it because they were losing too many good fighters. People could die in some of these exercises. And, and what we know today uh, uh, for jousting, which is like one-on-one, where you're in a lane, sometimes there's a, there's a wall in between you. You know, for a while there, that was like the boring type of jousting. We should say that like Nikki is incredibly impressive. Like she is a legit jousting expert. 
you basically have to get a license to joust. Hmm. And part of the training is you have to you have to hit you are riding on a horse full tilt in armor that may weigh up to a hundred pounds. Ugh. You have to take a large, large, maybe well balanced, but large lance, very long piece of wood, and you have to hit a six inch target. Uh, that sounds heavy and inconvenient and too hot. Difficult. And hard, yeah. yes. And <laughs> really difficult, right? But the reason that I got in touch with Nikki is because of this story that apparently was a story that was kind of like well-known, at least in part of the jousting community, which it turns out is kind of small. So joust community is a few hundred people in the U.S. I'd say maybe 350, which is still a lot of people, but there are different niches, right, where you, where you know everybody in a particular group. This story that involves jousting blew up on Twitter the other day. It developed a hashtag. The hashtag was Horsegate. It involves something called the horse repo. You know what repo is, right? Like repossession? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I asked Nikki about horse repossession. She doesn't know a ton about that. But there's also another element to the story. What about black market horse semen fraud? <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to laugh about that, but I mean, if you... You got to laugh. Um, <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> it's not in my jurisdiction. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've never heard of that, but um, that's crazy. I, there's so many bad jokes I could think of right now, but. Um, God, I love it. Just give me one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just. No, no. <laughs> no. All right, Amory, are you ready to hear about horse repo and black market horse semen fraud? I thought you'd never ask, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More on that in a minute. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig.
All right, Amory, as we were discussing horse repo and black market horse semen fraud, this comes from a Twitter user whose ID on Twitter is at why not dancing. And her tweet just says, I'm so glad to be divorced. Hashtag horsegate. Okay. Go on. Why not dancing? So this actually came from a subreddit. So she found this story on Reddit and tweeted about it. It's from a subreddit community called r slash crazy (laughs) x. Oh, boy. So I'm just going to read it to you. All right. Okay. So my ex-husband, we'll call him A, left me for another woman, B, a few years ago. B was an apprentice, quote, squire, unquote, with a very well-known jousting company with a Renaissance festival. Apparently, A and B went to a horse breeder trainer, C, who specializes in jousting horses, and bought a jousting-trained pedigree Andalusian stallion with a snowy white coat. Because B was associated with such a prestigious jousting company and A is a real smooth talker, they somehow convinced C to sell the horse on a payment plan rather than full payment up front. C would retain the breeding papers until the horse would be paid off, naturally. Cue the pandemic. A and B stopped making payments on the horse. C did not have their contact information except for a phone number. They refused to answer and couldn't read B's handwriting well enough to Google her name. More time passed. The horse breeder begins to really panic about the horse's welfare, trying to Google based on anything she knew about A and B. And the horse breeder eventually turned up um, A's old address, the man's old address, the ex-husband's old address, across the country, which is my address. So the person telling this story gets Googled by the horse breeder who has been not receiving payments from the ex-husband and the squire he ran off with, happens to be uh, on the same block as the horse breeder's friend's house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, it all sort of involves our local Renaissance festival, according to the original poster here. The jousting circuit is small and everybody knows everybody, this person says. So the horse breeder called their friend who lives on the same street, fills fills her friend in. Um, her friend gets in touch with the woman telling the story and was like, girl, is this your ex? Crazy times. I passed along the contact info I had from the divorce paperwork to the horse breeder to try to help her repo her horse. That's how I learned horse repo is a thing. More time passes. Um, The ex-husband and the squire, the female squire, uh, are dodging creditors like it's a new Olympic sport. The horse breeder is going crazy, trying to serve them papers to sue to get her horse back. Um, She's wondering whether flying to the city of residence to try and serve the ex-husband papers when he comes to pick up, you know, the last of his possessions from his ex-wife might work. There's like all this crazy intrigue and and cloak and dagger stuff. Then the horse breeder gets contacted by angry mare owners, mare (laughs) owners, Uh Uh right? With new baby foals without papers. You know that like that part in the big Lebowski when like, you know, Walter is talking about the dog 
and he's like, this dog has fucking papers. First of all, dude, you don't have an accent. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it. It gets upset. <laughs> I've heard you say that quote, but um, I've never seen the Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh, my God. So Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Horses have papers. They do. They got papers. They got breeding papers, lineage papers, apparently. And the kicker here is that the ex-husband and the, um, you know, the, the husband stealing squire, shall we say, started selling stud services on their stolen horse, or at least the horse that they didn't, you know, fully pay off, promising breeding papers they didn't have, taking cash up front when the mare owners demanded bloodline papers for the foals, just sent them straight back to the original horse breeder. And that's how I learned that black market horse semen fraud is a thing. Where is the horse in question? Is this horse okay? So it's kind of a long story, Amory, but eventually the horse was found. It was returned to its original owner, and the horse is expected to make a full recovery with lots of, quote, love and care. Oh. So. Okay. What what do you think? I think horse people are even more wild than I thought. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I knew Ren Fair people were kind of wild, but like yeah. jousters. Yeah. Can you just can... imagine, like, you know, when if if a, a a couple that you're friends with gets divorced, and you know, there's there's the kind of uh, do I have to take a side? Can I still just be friends with both of them? Then yeah. something like this comes along. Throw and it's a horse like, in the mix. <laughs> you, throw, you throw a horse in the mix and suddenly your allegiance it becomes a little bit easier to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pick neither side. You pick the horse, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm with the horse all the way. Yeah. Uh, I can't say yeah. anything about, about the... It... Um, the ex that just gets to relish in the fact yeah. that, like, see, I told you, you guys, I told you guys, he's crazy. <laughs> right. But, Among the ex-husband, the ex-wife, and the squire, the female squire, mm-hmm. and the horse, you you have no horse in this race except the horse. I, I just have the horse. I would say that everyone else in this story, Ben, is a little bit unstable, you know what I mean? Oh! <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Oh, I can't wait that, for my dad was, to hear that one. <laughs> that was the final straw. That was the final straw. Amber, I did, I, I did ask Nikki what she thought of this story, and I think she and we agree. Let me just say that any amount of neglect with a horse is just not tolerated. There's no excuse for it. But, you know, I read a, I read a couple that's, you know, divorced, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, got, I got into jousting with my ex-husband. And um, one of my favorite stories is um, the story of when we got to joust after our divorce. <laughs> I think every divorced couple should be able to joust each other by law. It's uh, really cathartic. Who, who, who stayed on the horse after that? Oh, we both did. It was it was a good time. And the crowd, the crowd was so into it because, you know, everybody is reflecting on their divorce. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a good time. Um, Who won? Uh, you know what? Um, I think we both won uh, uh, because we, neither one got come it. Come um, on. But um, I'm pretty sure I won that. <laughs> that, that 
I was going to say that sounds like the statement of either somebody who's like incredibly generous or somebody who lost. So I'm glad it was just that you're incredibly generous. That's good. Do you believe the story or is there part of the story that feels like some of it might be made up? Like based on your knowledge and understanding of the jousting world and the horse world? Well, I mean, I believe during COVID, um, somebody had a tough time. A lot, a lot of crews just, um, you know, all their jobs were canceled. That's a livelihood. I mean, competitive world, most of us have a full-time job outside of jousting. You don't make money in, in competitive jousting. But for people who do the theatrical stuff, they perform um, at these run fairs, that, you know, that's their livelihood. And when they were all canceled during, you know, the pandemic, it's, uh, you know, it just pulled the rug out from underneath them. So, so I can definitely see, you know, loss of income. I saw, you know, there are many people who, who had fundraisers and GoFundMes to help them um, pay for feeding their horses during, during the pandemic. So hmm. um, it doesn't surprise me that somebody, somebody landed on hard times. Amory, of all the of all the industries that you thought of as hurting during the pandemic, did you ever think of the jousting industry? I did not think of the jousting industry, and man, I now I will. I whenever hard times hit next, I'll say, think of the jousters. Yeah, and in the meantime, be safe. But go to your local Ren Fair. You know what I'm saying? Buy yourself a, a headdress, a, you know, or a, like a... A buy turkey leg, a, right? A turkey leg, yeah. Or a candied <laughs> apple or a small dagger, you know? And and if you do happen to watch, you know, watch the festivities, if you see an Andalusian with a snowy white coat, you know they've finally come home. Run free, mighty steed. and and a big thanks to nikki also for talking to us i appreciate the time and the interest and i hope whatever happened it turned out okay for everybody especially the horse Uh, especially the horse that's it that's that's the story that we had to tell you this week amory was it worth it worth it for sure. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, of course. We'll be back in touch soon. Don't worry. We're still in the lab. We're making good things. We're excited to unveil them for you. And uh, yeah, stay in touch. Yeehaw. Oh, wrong horse reference. <laughs> <laughs> Charge. Giddy up. I don't know. What is it? Who knows? Who knows?